We are the tribe that they cannot see. We live on an industrial reservation. We are the Halusa Nation. We have been called the Indians. We have been called Native American. We have been called hostile. We have been called pagan. We have been called militant. We have been called many names. We are the Halusa Nation. This is Burrow, and I am here with a tribe called Red. DJ Indian, Tool Man. Bear Witness. All right, and can you tell us about the evolution of electric powwow and ultimately the tribe called Red? Yeah, the electric powwow was uh, originally a party that we threw um, geared towards indigenous people, and uh, that's basically what the idea was around it. And uh, from that, we started producing um, music that went to that party. And um, from that came eventually like matching up the powwow music with, with club music, and uh, yeah, that kind of fast forward us here to today, to today. But we actually play that party on, on Saturday. We still play that party. Like you said, your albums have always kind of like celebrated the mixture of First Nations music with a lot of other things mm -hmm. in a way that like we've never really heard before. And now like there's kind of this surge of Aboriginal artists, or at least ones that we're hearing in the mainstream. Like, why do you think that this is just happening now and like hasn't really happened before? That is, I think that has a lot to do with just the change in what people are willing to interact with. You know, like. We've had really talented indigenous artists for decades and decades, you know, but it's a kind of scene that stayed in itself, you know, you, you kind of played to other indigenous people, like there wasn't an interest outside of the community, really, in, in the music that was going on, or in, I mean, not just music, but across arts, you know, people just weren't interacting with indigenous arts, indigenous issues, any of that. And it seems to have been a real change, shift in, you know, the past 10 years, maybe even, where uh, people are, have had more you know, more of an openness to interact with indigenous issues and indigenous art, and yeah, just there's been a across the board change. I talk a lot about controlling your own image, but like in your live shows, you show all these old Hollywood like images. Why show all these like racist stereotype images of like indigenous First Nations people? Uh, it's, it's part of the conversation still. You know, we can't just forget that we have this history of misrepresentation through media. I mean, that goes back to portraiture. That goes, that goes right back to first contact. We've never had control in the way that we're seen outside of our community. So, I mean, as performers, that's something that we have, we can affect more than anything because we're out there in the public eye being seen. So we can affect the way that we present ourselves and the way that people perceive us. But just doing that to me isn't enough. We can't end the conversation there and just say it's all well and good that we can represent ourselves now. We still have to look at this history. We still have to look at these things that uh, you know are just as relevant now. You know, we have the, the the kind of misrepresentations haven't stopped. So why should we stop talking about them? Uh, so through the video portion of the of the show, 
Um, I mean, it kind of means different things to different people. If you're talking to an indigenous crowd, it's about kind of exercising these images, uh, taking the negativity away from them, flipping them around, and turning them into something more positive. Uh, a lot of the images I deal with are things that I kind of did that myself, and looking looking for heroes. You know, when you don't have heroes that are, that you feel represent you in the media, you create your own. So, you know, there's a lot of that kind of ideas that are going into it. When talking to a non-Indigenous audience, it's about confronting people with these images, but doing it in this kind of uh, insidious way, you know, where we're, 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 at, we're in a club, we're at a party, you know, we, we show these images as humorous, we show them as something to be laughed at or have fun with. But there's still an aspect, of, when you're talking to a non-Indigenous person, that they're being confronted with these images in a very different way and having to interact with them outside of the regular context. My hope through that is that is to lead people to realize what is racist, what is a misrepresentation through their own experiences with these images, rather than sitting there and telling them, oh, you're racist because you used to like to laugh at you know, uh, some old racist movie. Right. So it's more about making those connections with people and their own experiences. You know, I've had people come up and talk about, oh yeah, I used to totally love that scene in Back to the Future where Marty runs into the Indians, and well, I realize now that it's kind of racist. Yeah, so, so trying to get that reaction out of people, because it means so much more to somebody if they can come to something through their own experience. And so, like, your latest album is completely a collaborative effort. Like, what was, uh, which is, you've had collaborations on your other albums, but this one kind of reaches out to a lot of different artists from, like, different genres more so than before. How did you come to the decision to do that? Or It, it was always the plan to do a, a collaborative project, and also um, the, for, for that album to be that way, and then for it to be um, a conceptual record, it started growing from that. But uh, yeah, does but we got to be more hands-on even with the drum groups. So like we actually went into the studio with Black Bear and actually recorded the actual drum with them and got to record acapellas and one shots and just basically just be creative with them. Um, we were in the studio with them writing songs as well. It was um, it was quite the experience, a learning experience as well for us because I don't think that um, there there isn't many um, ways of documenting ways of like how to record a drum or even just the drum group in general, so it was our chance to really um, take that opportunity to figure out ways and of our own unique ways of doing it. So I always said that it'd be a dream to record and produce a powwow record at one point in our careers, and uh, we got a chance to do it like last couple of years ago, but I think now that, you know, I'd love, I'd love another shot at it and work with them again, but um, but for the collaborative project, you know, that's that's pretty much where it all kind of stemmed from, and we got to work with everybody that we've, all our friends and um, heroes of ours, you know, those were people that we had a wish list of people that we wanted to work with and uh, friends that we've made on tour across the world, you know, and like, whether it be Maxita Marak or Oka from Australia. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was like that, I guess.
Okay, so coming off that, if there was anyone else, I guess, living or dead that you could collaborate with, who would that be? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking a lot lately about Beck. Let's do something with Beck. Beck would be dope. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's been a favorite of mine since I was a teenager. I never really thought about it. I like, just recently like, kind of had that far off dream. I was like, I wonder if we could be a song Beck. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, from, from a production standpoint, it would be amazing. I can't see how you would do it. It would be a crazy mashup of sound, for sure. Um, and you? I have no idea. Legit, I don't know. I don't know who, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like, um, like MIA has always been in a conversation to work with her because of like what she, what she does and stuff. That would be kind of cool. Um, Santa Gold, Santa Gold too. Um, people that we've actually reached out to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tried to work with. Yeah, yeah. Like even like you know working with a dance artist would be really good. That would be something I think they would check off. You know, our list of a couple good dance artists. The ultimate would be getting a Tom Waits track. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, 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 could be, that could be just the end of it. <laughs> Maybe we'll, right. see, we'll see a Tom Waits collaboration yeah. in your future. Do you have any uh, like dirty secret artists or bands that you listen to that you or don't tell anyone about? Or would be embarrassed if anyone found out you listened to? You know, for a long time I used to like not talk about my deadhead past at all. And now, like, I'm fully back into it. So, so I can't say. But for a, for a long time, it would have been the Grateful Dead, and, my, and that years and years of <laughs> listening to nothing but Dead. Uh, but now, I'm, I'm at peace with that these days. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, it's I'm a lover of music, so I'm pretty open with everything that I listen to. It's not really much. I, you know, I'll even even if it's like an unpopular opinion, you know, but I'll still say I listen to it. Yeah. Not really a secret. Yeah, same thing. I'm a music lover. I don't. I don't really. I'm. I'm not ashamed of anything that I listen to. You know. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's more just surprising things that I listen to. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really willing to talk about it. Yeah, with with, with 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 being on tour with with these guys has been like crazy because they're like a gauge of what music they listen to is just crazy. And I'm used to just you know I was kind of like I think right down the middle. I liked a couple of genres and that's it. But being with these guys, it kind of opened up my. Uh, my spectrum, I guess, or just just my way of thinking about music in general. So now I'm I'm getting into everything now. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a great learning experience. <laughs> I'm stuck on the '60s right now for some reason. It's just like heavy listening to '60s music. Like, and I, I always love music from the '60s, but lately it's just been like I don't know. It's all it's all it's all this electronic music. I think I just need a break. Yeah, stop pre-synthesizers. For me, it's all like heavy political punk rock right now, like a lot of propaganda and MDC and like that sort of stuff. And I'm the total opposite. I'm kind of going deep into like the the beginnings of synthesizer music is what I'm, what I'm getting into. Um, and I think that a lot of that stems from like the opportunities of being able to work with all these old synths that, uh, that people have used. Uh, awesome, <laughs> awesome. I, um, I own a couple old presses of like, uh, of of vinyl of these like um, you could tell that synthesizers were just invented or they were just starting to invent them so they would just be like basically 20-30 minutes of just whoop, 
do like just playing with synth sounds and like the modulating and stuff like that. So um, I've been going back and listening to those again. Those are those are pretty fun. Yeah. All right, thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you.